Well, if you can articulate your arguments properly and you can write and you can speak and you can think you're unstoppable, man, and you can fight any or fight, <laughs> you can beat anyone. People that know what they think and create a proper argument, you can't defeat them. It's it's impossible. They're formidable foes to find in your life. Like something like that, right? It was, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but. Bonjour, bitches. Welcome to a new episode of Croissant Iris. I'm your host, Just Croissant. And today, I'm very excited because I will be launching my newsletter tomorrow. So, for those who don't know, I decided to start a newsletter where I share my weekly insights because I figured I'm already researching and reading you know, so many books and, and articles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Why don't I curate a list or a article every week for people to enjoy and to yeah basically share around and share their thoughts on i thought that would be would be pretty interesting so here i am i'm i'm releasing it first issue will be well first actual article i should say will be released tomorrow and i would say anybody that likes my essay videos or likes my more explanation videos doesn't matter if you just like any of my content you'll probably really really enjoy the newsletter so i'll put a link in the description pin comment or whatever and put it also or in the comments and in the description i'll post it down there so if uh, that sounds interesting to you and you want uh, basically free knowledge you know it's free so speaking of kind of insights and all that i have been well of course i've been researching and all that stuff and i want to share some of the things i've learned in the last couple weeks something like that i don't know what the last episode was like three weeks ago i don't know anyway but consider this like maybe kind of a preview to what i show in my newsletter and yeah i'm just gonna go into two main topics which is uh, business insights and influence insights I, I call it influence insights but i'll get into it so i first thing i want to go into is that i'm kind of slowing down my reading for the moment in favor of production and and sharing what i know in other words basically writing in my newsletter or producing these videos i want to that's has taken the primary spot in terms of what i'm doing and instead of just constantly consuming and then getting more info in because my brain is kind of overloaded at this point <laughs> with information i just want to give it out to you uh in a, in a you know in a nice quality format because my my like my brain can only store so much right so okay so first topic business insights so in I've, I've read like i don't know 30 40 books on business at this point and after a while you start seeing a lot of similarities right and i want to go i want to explore that with you so you can basically shortcut 40 books and videos and blah 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 worth of information and you just get it on a silver platter here so first thing that basically any book talks about is well, in order to get traffic, you have to pick a market slash a niche. And the more specific your niche, the better, right? So the only thing you have to keep in mind is, okay, is it either a growing or a stable market? So basically, is it not a dying market? Because, you know, Alex Ramosi used this as an example. Like if you're in the newspaper business, you're basically, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll always be at a at a loss because everything is moving digital. Everything is going to podcasts, etc. So yeah, as long as it's not a dying market, you're fine. So then 
considering your niche, you have to consider basically free markets that basically never die. And you know, you see this oftentimes at Russell Bronson's like traffic secrets or books like that, where they say, okay, you need to either it's related to health, it's related to wealth or relationships. It's like very, if you know, if you, if you already know these things, it sort of sound very basic, but I'm going through the whole nine yards of it. So yeah, it's basically one of those niches and basically any brand that is successful or company that is successful falls in one of these three categories, right? So, and yeah, one, one thing that Alex Ramosi like often says, he's like, don't maybe niche slap you. Basically, you have to pick a certain niche, right? And this also applies to something like YouTube, right? If you say, I want to start a YouTube channel, it's like, well, you can't be like variety channels that just post whatever comes to mind. And I partly fall in this category sometimes. They don't really do well. And it's very rare for those people to actually get attention because where does, you know, where do people have to place you? Oh, I'm variety. Like, it's like the same with a company. It's like, okay, what do you sell? Oh, we sell everything. It's like, well, you can be, can be <laughs> if you're everything to everybody, you're basically nothing to nobody, right? Um, anyway, then next step, well, to conclude that actually, you basically have to pick a niche, the more specific the niche, the better, because then you can find, well, people that really need that thing, right? If you're the only, what is it? The only landmower business in a city in Iowa, and you only sell lawnmowers on, on Sundays, I'm just saying something, right? So something very, very specific, then, people are more likely to give a premium for that or to find that because, well, they're, they're specifically going to look that for you in your location, in your niche, etc. So if you literally start from nothing, you have no you have no email list, you have no friends, you have literally no, nobody you know on this planet, you're li li literally like Tarzan just uh, dropping from the sky, <laughs> then yes, that, then you have to get very specific and you have to target a very specific niche, right? Then the second thing, if you have your niche, you have to have a very clear idea of what your avatar is, right? What is the ideal client you want to have? And you have to get like extremely specific, like this fictional person has to become second nature to you, right? And this can be based on, I find it's easier if it's based on real people and you just kind of metafuse traits into them like basically okay if i you can ask yourself like oh if i had an ideal client what is the behaviors that will show well they'll probably always pay on time they'll always leave reviews they'll always share whatever i do so things like that you gotta keep in mind and then you gotta kind of focus your efforts on providing for that person because there are so many people on the internet like there i think there's what is it, 3.6 billion, like half the planets on the internet. So there's bound to be a person out there that's like specifically what you do in your specific niche in, in that specific hypothetical, unless it's like, you know, unrealistic, like, oh, I want, uh, I don't know, I want a fictional, I want a unicorn to watch my, <laughs> watch my, um, watch my stuff or buy my stuff. It's like, well, it still has to be a human, but you get that, right? It's like a personified real could be a real human being, and then you focus for that person. Um, could be a bit exaggerated, of course, but it's for that person, if that makes sense. So, next step is you need to create a irrefutable offer. So, Alex Ramosi calls it the Grand Slam offer. I think another book I read, they called it the Bullseye offer with your lead product. To put it very simply, you need a certain main offer or lead offer, whatever you want to call it, that includes your main service, and then you create a bunch of bonuses around it, sell it for a premium, whatever you want to do, service product, and that, that will be your main lead 
or not lead necessarily, because like lead magnets, we'll talk about that in a second, but it's going to be your main offer that's actually going to produce your money, you know, produce your money, make you money, right? And that's the main thing that people are going to buy from you. And you should, if you're starting out, that's what you should be focusing on one product at one type of person in one type of niche, right? And to actually get people to you more, uh, you know, you can have a niche and all that, but to actually get people to sign up for your email list, et cetera, you basically want to have a lead magnet. And a lead magnet is basically where you say, hey, I have XYZ, I have, well, in my case, I have a newsletter, or I have a little PDF guide, et cetera, et cetera. And you give that for free. And in, in return, you ask for people's email address, right? Because if you got their email, email address, you can always send other things to them. You basically, quote unquote, own that contact. Like I like to put it there extremely like you you own that person, of course. <laughs> I don't mean like literal slavery, but you know what I mean, right? In that you basically have established a permanent connection with this person, unless they give you like a free or a fake email, you know, there are always workarounds about it. Don't do it for the newsletter though, I'll kill you. No, um. <laughs> but basically, yeah, you give them something for free, then they get that in their inbox and you don't want to do that to have basically say it's a say it's a reading list, right? That's what, something I want to do in the, in the future. You don't want to just have, okay, you fill in your email and then the next page is an email list or a email list, a reading list, because then people are just going to download it and they're going to, you know, they're going to piss off. No, you want to confirm, well, confirm their email later on or if right away, it depends how strict you want to have it. And then you want to send that in an email and then they can download it in a different link, right? Because then you're sure, okay, these people are not just trying to, you know, leech off me or just trying to get free stuff. So that's a the thing. Then let me see. Yeah, so basically a freebie or a lead magnet is usually a piece of valuable information, like a guide or a newsletter, reading list, whatever you want. Well, those are kind of the ideas that I want to that I have, right? But they could be a myriad of things. You could say, oh, uh, I'm gonna do a checklist. And there was a certain book I read about it that gave like, I think it was like 42 or 46 different uh, free online services you could be giving as a freebie. So I'll, I'll talk about that book in a second, but that's a great book if you wanna just get ideas for what you could be giving to people, right? I, I don't even want to like, I don't like to call it selling because you're basically giving away things, right? And you like giving those things away because you you like that topic. I mean, I, I don't recommend you start doing a business in something you're miserable about because people will notice, right? If you're genuinely passionate and genuinely like that subject, then people, it will rub off, right? And people will notice your genuine message and they will not be like, oh, this guy's just trying to trying to make a quick buck, a buck from uh, XYZ. So, yeah, so now after that, you can directly market to them. And hey, you already have an offer. So, well, then you can go into, you know, automation where you say, okay, for the next seven days, you'll get these emails giving you even more free stuff. And then around day three or four, you start actually pitching things and then you can redirect to your offer. And this is why it's important you have your offer first in that you, <laughs> if, if you get all these people on your list or whatever, or opt in, you maybe have like thousands and thousands of people. But if you have nothing to offer or you have nothing you know to convert them with because there's, there's something called a golden week of selling or something like that i don't know what the right term for it was but basically a golden week for your customer right where the first week that they know you they're all excited and they don't know anything about you and then they're just getting all these free stuff that's that's the best time to actually give them some type of product or to offer some type of service right you're trying to serve them in the in the quickest or the yeah, the quickest time possible because the risk with 
being on, you know, basically out of prospect's mind is the fact that if basically after a week, you know, people got people got stuff to do, so they can easily with all the other hundreds of emails they get, they can easily forget about you. So it's best to, especially if you sell something or service them in, I, I, I like to call service more than selling. Um, if you service them in the first seven days of them being all excited with you, there there's a higher likelihood those people will be coming back or will be, you know, but basically there's, because there's more investment into into the relationship, it basically becomes harder for them to just, you know, opt out and leave. So, and it's not like a manipulation tactic. This is just, you know, relationships 101. If, if you invest more time and effort into a relationship, you're less likely to get out of it. Does that make sense? So, and oh yeah, with the, back to the $1 million offer, because, or I want the grand slam offer, whatever you want to call it, your, your, your lead product, you, one of the best frameworks I've seen for it, and this is what's, that's described in $1 million offers by Alex Ramoses, which is a great book, by the way, you should read it, is that you want to do, like, he uses kind of a way of thinking, he calls like reverse engineering thinking, where he says, okay, you take a problem first, because we're kind of bad at thinking of solutions right away, right? We need a, a problem first, and then we can solve it. So what you do is you you can do, you can do this chronologically, you can, you can do this, you know, in whatever way you please, but you can basically, well, he recommends chronological. He just says, oh, I'm, I'm doing weight loss right now. Okay, what is the first step with weight loss? Oh, I need to watch my diet. Okay, how is that split up? And then you have like, oh, I need to check what I eat. And then you have objection, objections, of course, like, oh, um, I don't think I can maintain a diet. I think I think diet is too expensive, I think, et cetera, et cetera. And you have all these problems, and then you create a solution. So, I mean, that's what every entrepreneur or business owner really does. It's solving problems which in turn is valuable because people want that problem fixed because it's a pain point right and then you convert that and then you say oh okay you think it's too expensive how to be on a proper diet how to lose weight for 50 dollars or less or 50 bucks or less per week right you create solutions like that you can mix that with all kinds of cool um enhancements which is described in the book like you can give guarantees you can give uh, you could kind of produce scarcity all these other components to it right but you know that's going in a whole different topic i'm just going through the basics right now so what also what most of these books recommend and what i see most often is that you the best thing to start with is a course and you can start maybe a mini course that's you know free to get more people to opt in that's another way of getting uh you know giving you a freebie but either you provide a course or you do basically one-on-one consulting slash coaching, right? And if you do a course, it should be priced around, I think it was 179 bucks. That's like the ideal price to give for a course. So yeah, so you can, if you're creating your course and you don't know what the hell to make it on, you can basically compile all the common questions on, in within your certain niche, right? Some problems you see, constantly reappearing and maybe they're already answered by other people but maybe you can do it a little different but you can compile that basically kind of how i'm doing it right now right in the sense that i'm going through the the basics or the components of it and then you can go into more specifics for people and ask those questions from a survey if you don't have an audience right you you kind of have to build that up for by providing free content which goes back to the first two free points you basically want to create because well, content is also kind of a form of freebies you're basically providing free value for other people so they have a reason to 
invest in you and your relationship, because that's kind of what you're establishing, right? A relationship is you, you give something for them first and then they're like, oh, okay, I, I can trust this guy or I can talk to or I can communi communicate with him or I could continue this relationship. And you basically, after you slowly build build your content or your audience up with freebies, content, etc., then you can ask a survey like, hey, what are some of the biggest problems you have with XYZ? Like, why? what is the biggest problems you have as an INTJ, for example, in my, in my case, right? And I, well, I haven't done this yet, but <laughs> planning to very soon. And then you can ask a survey or you can, you know, if they're on an email list, you can uh, you can do a survey there, an open-ended survey, or maybe a questionnaire, like in a multi-day recommend. I think in one book they recommend that you do a multiple choice one and you have like about 10 questions and then the first nine are multiple choice and the last one you you keep open right so that's the smartest thing you can do in terms of and then you have a sense of what people struggle with and then you can actually create the content right because why would you create a course that nobody wants like you actually know that people want this thing now so right and then what you do usually you you kind of answered 10 of these questions. I say kind of, because it can also just be about 10 topics, generally speaking, but it's usually you address 10 problems, right? And then you create 10 videos around 50 minutes in length, and then you add an extra two bonus videos that are about the same length for, so in total, it's something like two to three hours for a full course, right? And well, this is also kind of derived from the book launch, which I also highly recommend you can take that framework and then he has a whole email sequence with that. But basically you can, after that, and you have some type of email sequence for that. So basically before you launch, you start building up quote unquote hype. Even though another book I read said that don't create hype, but in a way you want you want people to start talking about what you're doing. That, that sounds pretty logical to me, right? So in other words, a week beforehand, you're gonna create, I think Alex Ramosi put it like, he even says a month or three weeks. He says, like, first I want to create a whisper, then I want to, you know, want people to talk about it, then I want to create buzz, and then I want basically to shout the message, right? So he basically wants to build it up over time instead of just being like, hey guys, I released something, and then maybe, <laughs> you know, 0.00001% of actually of people are actually going to look at that. No, you want to create some type of hype around it, and you can do this, especially on your email list. And one of the problems people potentially say is like, well, what if I annoy my people on my email list, etc.? And this is a fear I also have partially. Um, they probably won't get annoyed because if they understand anything, don't, and if you are consistent with this, you don't know this is like a big hype launch week. And after that, it's back to normal information. So that's, that's one of, there are many other myths, but basically you want to create hype around it, then you launch your product, etc. And and then later, if you make money from that and people enjoy it, testimonials, etc., then later you can think about upselling, right? So you can say, okay, I've produced this course. I also offer an exclusive XYZ uh, webinar, or I have a membership thing, or I have a community, right? And that that's when you can expand on that. And speaking of communities, I've joined other communities as well with certain books I've read, they have certain links, but or also what I want to do in more in the future is basically, uh, what's the word? Uh, I want to buy certain courses so I can basically get into certain communities because they'll, they'll help you out. And I think that's very smart, right? Because again, Alex Mosey, big example right now, right? Can't stop talking about him. He also says you're sometimes for courses, you're not paying for the service, maybe you already know the things, right? Maybe you already know all the knowledge. It's rather the access to 
other like-minded people that are very rare and they're all condensed into one place that's you're kind of paying for access in that sense right and well i shouldn't even say paying you're you're investing because if you find people that are high quality you have high quality relationships that can help you out and i mean that's worth like what if basically that's that's you can't put a price tag on that right if you cultivate relationships that will last you a lifetime and will make you incredibly wealthy not only just on a financial department but also just it will literally give you better relationships in your life so you know because how many high level entrepreneurs are there out there like actually functioning and working and i'm not saying i'm one of them yet but <laughs> you know what i mean like it's a very rare breed and having those people around you can really it can really make you well in the end right it can make you a lot more happy and, and joyous and blissful and uh, well maybe not blissful i don't like the word bliss but you know what i mean right it, it will actually improve your life in, in significant ways so that's why i already joined a couple communities and i want to cultivate cultivate those people or cultivate those people cultivate those relationships that's a wrong way to put it so anyway i'm going to summarize a couple books or quick fire round about the books that i've read and are most important on this subject so if you want to go more into it i don't know if my <laughs> if you listening to this actually are interested in starting a business but i think this is interesting this is what i'm learning so you know if you don't like it you know you can just leave or maybe listen to the next section anyway so it, most of these books roughly talk about the same thing but there are certain specifics that will you kind of have to you know don't take the word from some from one offer for the entire framework because that's just how they did it but as you as i've read more you can see kind of the basic framework for every single one of these people so the first book i recommend is six figure second income and i i haven't added the offers by the way so you just have to look it up six six figure nice um six figure second income which is a great book just establishing the how about it and especially about the kind of products you can offer if you're like totally clueless okay what kind of things can i offer to people it just gives you like 43 different or 42 different products you can create physical or digital and also just how you can how you can make them how they look like how you can bundle them together it's really handy i recommend it um, a book i just finished yesterday is called how to get paid for what you know and that's basically that's the guy who said he's he recommends make a course and then later you can upsell right so that's still very fresh in my memory but he basically says that he it's a um sort of youtuber that made that book and he basically recommends that well you probably already know things that you can share with people or that you're already helping people with that you can basically you know you can put it out there put a, put a prize on it basically make it an invest investment for people and then yes then you can actually live the life that you want so i recommend that one it's pretty simple uh, i want to say it's well it's kind of dense but it's not like complicated language doesn't make sense so it's specific and you can i couldn't really skip pages or speed read it um but it's great overall and, and it's it's still in a simple line which let's put it that way right so next one i would under book i read is uh, badass your brand i know great title but kind of talks about the same thing and as you will notice most of these talk about the same thing but th i think this one talks a lot more about branding and about you know your ideal market etc then 100 million dollar offers of course for your offers right launch for well launching your product and traffic secrets i have not finished that book yet but it does give the framework about you know health health wealth and relationships and it talks about how you can share your uh you know basically how you can actually get people to traffic to your whatever you're doing right so yeah next episode i want to talk about more about business but then i want to talk about 
a certain course or roadmap that I want to share, which I basically share how I want to become a sort of manipulator god and basically become an extreme expert on a myriad of topics. Extreme expert, that's a, <laughs> that's a word or that's a title, but basically... Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of courses and I'm really interested in them and I want to share them next episode. I'm not going to do it now because I just I've already talked, what is it, 20 something minutes about business and the basic roadmap of it or the basic steps of it. Next episode, I want to talk about, you know, the actual courses that can actually, well, it will improve me and improve you as well. Maybe you can take those courses. I'm not sponsored by any of those people, by the way. I wish, uh, <laughs> but basically, I think those, those courses are really going to help me and I kind of want to break that down. So I don't want to overwhelm you with information for now. So moving on to influence insights, I'll call it, is some things I've learned about influence, manipulation, things like that, right? So mostly in the book Persuasion, which Alex Ramosi again recommended that book. And it has a lot of cool insights. And you will notice that he, he takes a lot of things from that book and puts it in his shorts and tips and tricks videos, you know. There's no problem with that, by the way. I'm, I'm doing the same right now. So it, it's, it's again, it's curating, cur, curating, I can't say that word, curating information for people to, you know, easily digest. They don't have to read a whole book to understand these things. Anyway, moving on. So persuasion is the idea that you're positioning a person or making a person focus on a certain topic or I guess perspective on any well any topic you're talking about, right? So you basically make them focus on a certain direction beforehand in a attempt to actively persuade them towards said outcome or a certain end, right? And basically the principle of that is or the underlying idea there is is that we can only focus on so many things every day, right? You have basically have a decision fatigue every day, or was that not the correct word? Doesn't matter. But basically, you, you, your focus and your clarity throughout the day for making decisions it it decreases throughout the day, right? So the less decisions you have to make, the the more energy you have. If you in the first five minutes of your day you have to make like a thousand decisions, like at the end of the day you you don't you're you're not going to make any. It's basically like you're you're making decisions like you're drunk, right? So. Persuasion is about shifting this automatically. And it's kind of derived from the idea of thinking fast and slow by, I think it's Daniel Kahneman, who basically talks about system one and system two, right? So I've talked about this on my book review or whatever. I'll leave it in the top right corner right now. But <laughs> I said like Irish there, right new. But basically, you have system one and system two. And system one is like rational, right? It's a lot, if I said this correctly, it's about. I'm going to make a logical decision. I'm going to think about this. It's it's a strategic and planning and thinking behavior, right? And system two is more, you know, your guts. It's more about intuition. It's more about emotional, an emotional sense, right? Or emotional, well, system. And while we want basically your system one can only do so much, and we basically want to shift our system one and two towards. A certain end that you have in mind right so to give some examples they basically took they took a group of people and they had a website where they sell beds i think it was beds or something or sofas one of the two and in one example they or in one that basically had a two groups right and one group they they gave 
they had a background of clouds, and in the other one, they had a background of pennies, and they offered more comfortable sofas, right? Like a selection of comfortable sofas or basically cheaper sofas. And I don't know the exact percentages, but basically the website with a cloud in the background, like persuasively, bought more of the comfortable sofas, even I think even if they were more expensive. And the background of pennies persuasively convinced people to buy the cheaper alternatives. So that's interesting, right? Because if they asked the people afterwards, they were like, oh, did you feel more inclined to buy XYZ because of the clouds in the background. Maybe maybe some of them will admit it or will realize that, but in the moment they didn't realize, oh, there's there are clouds in the background, so I'm more inclined to be talk thinking about comfort. Unless you already because that's that's what they talk about later in the book, unless you already know these principles or these persuasive tactics by marketers, business people, people in general, right? Then you can be aware of this and you can disconnect yourself from it does that make sense or you can arm yourself against it so another example another inside another example is they had a waiter so you know you know in restaurants they basically give mints right as a as a freebie basically just like we talked about earlier but you give something for free so people are like oh okay every time i go to this restaurant i get free mints and that's fun it's a fun ritual it makes people you know habitually come back because it makes them feel more comfortable and they get free candy and free candy is sugar and you want more sugar etc so but basically what they did most most restaurants they just put a mint right they put it on your whatever they put it at the door or whatever so no that's that's the inferior way of doing it you need to do the superior way which is you personally make the waiter go to your table and leave the mint there Right, so you're like, okay, here's here's the bill, here's an extra mint. It's like, okay, that then they, they got a three percent increase in tips, right? And if you put another mint on the platter, you get a fourteen percent increase in the tip. But this this was very cool. I, I thought it was really cool when I re read it. Is that if you give one, then walk away, but then return and you're like, hey, I I forgot another mint. Here you go. Here's your second one. They got a 23% increase in tips. So anybody working in some type of or if you're working in in you know you're working in a restaurant or something like that, use if and if you use mints, use that. Just literally just give one mint and be like, oh, I, I got a return for your second one though. And then if you get the second one, they're like, oh this is the framework behind it. First, you give a gift, so you give a free mint. It's, it's no charge. Then, second, you get it, it's personalized, right? So you, I, I'm giving you a mint. I'm giving you personally a, a free mint. And then also, well, it's also personalized because you come back, and it's unexpected because you don't expect if you because maybe you're used to getting mints, but it's unexpected for the person to give you one, then go away, and then come back, right? You're like, oh, that's that's you know, you're you're. Again, your kind of your system too is, is reawakened. Your habitual system is is reawakened. Basically, your SI gets disrupted, right? Where basically your your yeah your habits get broken, and it's like, oh, this is new. This this person is giving me a gift. It's it's personalized and directed to me. And it's unexpected that they're doing this thing, and that's because it's so special. They feel because while well, humans are very bad at you know evaluating action with price, if that makes sense, like it's very hard for us to translate actions in exact dollar amounts, does that make sense? So in this sense, they gave a 23% increase in, in tip. So that, that could have, you know, if it's a if it's a check, a check for a couple thousand bucks and it's 23%, like that's a lot of money. Well, not a lot of money, but relatively speaking, it's a lot more than 3%, you know, in terms of your tips. So my point with that is, or kind of the idea with that is, it's like, 
if you want to increase that, you got to make it personalized. You got to give something for free, and you got to. It's got to be unexpected, right? It's got to have some twist to it, and that can also apply to business. So another example, another thing in the book is the, what they call the positivity paradox, and you know it stood out to me because you know I like to be all optimistic and learn about happiness and all those things because I think it's an interesting topic. And why wouldn't you want to be happy um, unless you hate yourself, I guess? But but they gave an story about how these old people were basically not allowing themselves to be sad, which sounds very strange, but if you think about it, it's, it's kind of brilliant in that they basically, for older people, they just don't, like most people, they have time or they basically are thinking about the future and allow themselves to get unhappy, right? But with these older people, well, they, they give an example about these older, this older group of people where they just said, listen, we, we don't have time, or maybe it was one person, but we basically don't have time to be unhappy, right? We only have maybe, if I'm 80, maybe I have five years, 10 years if I'm lucky. And why would I waste that time that I still have with my grandchildren? Why would I waste that on being negative and complaining about things and focusing on all my bad stuff? Like, why would I do that? So you can, again, you can take that and you can already apply it today. So if you want to feel a bit happier, do these. I think it's three things. So it's I think so. I'll uh, explain. So basically, you do three things. First, you count your blessings. So basically, in other words, you. I usually say have like three things you're grateful about every single day, right? And that maybe sounds like a lot of work, but trust me, it will pay off in your long-term happiness. And why wouldn't you want to be <laughs> long-term happy, right? Who wouldn't? So. Basically, you count your blessings every day, and usually I do three things. And it could be literally anything. You could say, oh, I, li I like how white my wall is and how well it's painted. You could literally say that, but you're you're priming your brain to not take for granted the things around you, right? Especially if you live in a very, you know, very nice country, like a first world country, maybe a second world, depends, you know, depends on where you live, of course. But if you appreciate that, even in the most dire of circumstances, if you count your blessings, it basically will open you up and make you more positive towards several other things, right? Uh, something I did, especially in the summer, I would just sit outside for I, I would read like three hours outside and I would just look around in my garden and I'll be like, I, I like how the sun is shining. I like how these, you know, these trees are nice and green and how the grass is green and et cetera, et cetera. All those things. They will cultivate you, and the more you, you can do free minimum, but you can, of course, you can do more. If you can list out a thousand things every single day, but okay, maybe not spend that much time to it. But you know, when you're when you're basically emotionally satiated, just list out all the things you're you're grateful about. And I know it sounds so redundant in terms of you know all the self improvement gurus say like, oh, you need to be grateful, and like you know Gary V. Like they ask me how I'm like how so, I have so much energy. That's like gratitude, bro. No, it's like, <laughs> but. Really though, if you don't have, if you let's let's put it on the flip uh, or the flip side, if you're just constantly taking your faith for granted, then well, your happiness is going to produce. Because the next two points is basically cultivate optimism. So, so point two, cultivate optimism. Always look at the bright side of things. So basically, you count your blessings, you cultivate optimism, and the final thing, you, well, with the second part, you like to or you, you look at. For example, if you're, say you're failing at something, you can either look at that and be like, ah, I'm failing and I'm such a failure and I'm, I'm forever gonna fail. Or you could say, I'm failing, but, well, this is the thing I, I wrote in a future newsletter article is that, I think I said something like, failure is just the distance beckoning bells of success. And maybe that sounds pretentious, but it just came up in me. I was like, yeah, that's, that's really what it is. It's like, 
failure is the precursor to success. So every time you're failing at something, you can always course correct. And, you know, it is a great example in the Tribe of Mentors, which I'm listening to right now, they say, you know, one of the one of the favorite songs or something with entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, they say that, you know, the song, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Basically, you can't get what you, what you, what you want. That's from the Rolling Stones, right? And they say, but you can't get what you need. And sometimes that's really the case, you know? In my example with, with YouTube right now, like I started my newsletter or blog, whatever you want to call it, and you can look at me doing YouTube as a failure. I, I'm not going to stop, by the way. I'm, I'm still going to do it, but I'm, I'm putting this in that maybe the thing I'm really meant to do is to be writing on a blog and doing that. Maybe that's not even it, right? But the more you basically check off things you're not, you, you don't have to do, you can course correct, you can pivot, and then you actually find your thing you're naturally good at and naturally people want to do. Because ultimately, I would say, you want to do something that you like to do and that other people enjoy listening to as well, right? Or consuming, buying, whatever you want to say. And you can really only do that through failure. Like, yeah, sure, if you're, if you're successful right away, great, right? But for most people, that is not the case in a sense. Well, if you're if you're if you're extremely young, right, or something like that, or you have no experience in a certain department or a certain um, niche, of course you're gonna stumble, right? And well, it's funny, right? Little side topic, <laughs> like children, babies, whatever. <laughs> they they don't stop with failure, right? You can maybe keep that in mind. Like every time a child when he walks, um, I think how's he called? Jim Ron talked about this. Like when you when do you tell a child he can stop learning how to walk? And everybody laughs, of course, right? Because <laughs> never, you, you, gotta, you gotta keep going until we can walk. And same with riding a bike, right? And it's weird how later in life that gets reduced, where you say, oh, well, after two, fa failing this thing two times, I'm not gonna do it anymore. It's like, how about you keep doing it until you succeed, right? Or sure, you, of course, course correct, learn from your mistakes. Like if you stumble and fall, don't you know, stumble and fall at the same time, like don't hit your head twice. But, you know, if it's something you really, really wanna do and you feel like this is your, your calling or whatever, then you should listen to that. And maybe it's not a very specific thing within that, right? So maybe for me, it's not podcasting and making videos. Maybe it's just sharing insights with people for over the internet and having, a, having you know, talk to you basically in a intimate sense. Maybe that's actually it. And the ways I can do that are infinite or not infinite, but there are very, there are a lot of options. And, you know, maybe you or I, we're limiting ourselves with that because we think, oh, I have to do this in this specific way because otherwise, you know, nobody will listen to me or that's the only thing I know. It's like, you gotta have to experiment and like go with that, right? It depends, it depends how far you were into that, of course. But yeah, that's something I noticed. But anyway, the, the third part of that happiness equation from a whole side note uh, is basically not comparing yourself or dwelling on your past problems, like comparing yourself to others or dwelling on your past problems, which I can do this, and maybe you can relate with this as well, where you, you're like, oh, I am not at a million people yet. I'm not reaching this and this. I don't have these monetary gains or uh, I made these mistakes in the past, so I'm gonna always fail. It's like, if you keep doing that, you're gonna cultivate more negativity in your life, right? So you wanna cultivate the opposite, which is, well, optimism and gotta be, so to summarize, gotta be contra-blessings, right? Do it in a, in a journal, whatever you wanna do. Put free things there, what you would try to be grateful for and cultivate optimism. Always look at the bright side, even when something looks as a potential failure, realize that it's 
most likely you, you can divide you can call it god you know divine power whatever that's redirecting you to what you not what you want maybe in the moment but actually what you need and it's actually the more you fight against that the more it's actually going to make you miserable and also you know don't focus on negativity or for don't focus on negativities don't compare yourself to others too much and don't dwell your problems in the past too much i don't really dwell about my things in the past but i do have that thing about comparing myself so hope that helps the book that's this this principle is kind of based on was myths of happiness i don't know the offer but if you want to check that book out it's they talk about it more i haven't read it yet but you know i cite my sources so <laughs> so let me see yeah also another thing about the, the book they said that i don't know if it was in that book or another one but basically reframing a question can really change the outcome of a poll for example right so if you to give an example that if you do a customer survey right and you only as an option you only give lenses that are from you right like if you're giving camera if you're selling cameras and you only say oh did you like sony this sony that sony that then those are your only options and then you're only thinking about sony lenses you're not thinking about the competitors lenses and by just again persuasively doing that they will be the, the customer is going to maybe the survey wasn't even the point the point was to get them to think about more about your product and not about competitors right uh let me see mm -mm. Yeah, so I, I noted down like think elections where people are like valiantly protect their political party uh, as a as a party supporter where they're like, oh, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat. It's like you do know that there are many, many ways to rule state or rule states to, well, quote unquote, rule democracy because, you know, I have my opinions about democracy. But basically, there are many ways to do that. And there is an independent party, but it usually doesn't get the votes because most people have been Let's call it indoctrinated, because I like to use that word. Indoctrinated thinking, oh, there's only Republican, there's only Democrats, so therefore I can only think in this binary system. And you know, again, it's it's something like that where you say, Oh, there are there are only these camera lenses, or there are only these parties, so therefore I can only choose. It's like, no, actually, you can choose from a lot of lenses or a lot of parties. You just don't focus on those options, or you just don't care about those, right? Um Yeah, another thing in the book is instead of asking people what is your opinion or what do you think of this it's better to say what do you advise right which is interesting so if you even if somebody isn't an expert if you ask them if you ask people what do you advise should do xyz and i think there was another example with with dating or something where they said something that didn't say do you want to sign oh yeah they asked do you consider yourself a helpful person and a lot of people you know if you say no it's like okay i'm, I'm labeling, my, labeling myself as a bad person and after that, if they said, okay, do you consider yourself a helpful person? I think there was like a 70% increase of people finishing that survey. They basically had a control group where they didn't ask that and a, you know, test group where they basically <laughs> asked that first. And again, those are just examples. And there are many, many examples in the book where they just, before the, there's no, like, most people have an active persuade or persuasion, right? Where they say, oh, uh, you should, you should participate with this survey or whatever we and then you try to actively convince them but persuasion or persuasion is, is about preemptively putting a message to people's mind or redirecting their focus in order to put them or create certain decisions in the first place right instead of 
that basically their decision is already made. And I think there was something about this specific about this sort of thing about sales I read, where they said the sale is really made at like people always talk about closing in sales. It's not really about closing. It's actually about opening. Like if the person you're talking to in the first five seconds is, or well, that's maybe a little extreme, but let's say the first 20 seconds isn't really interested in your call. It, it doesn't help to just keep talking and being like, oh, but this and this and this and this and this. Like the, the, they already made up their mind, right? If you intrigue them in the first couple seconds and then you only build upon that anticipation, like people want to buy ultimately, right? But people want to buy, they just don't like to be sold. So keeping that in mind, you're looking for people that, or you can use persuasion, right? To put people, even when they don't, they're not, they don't realize it, you can put them in a position where they're more likely to watch what you have to say or listen what you have to say or buy your product etc so those are just a lot of examples and i want to do a more extensive overview of all these you know psychological triggers and all that in a very nice summarized article on my newsletter for many other bonuses to what i'm going to talk about and for example i want to also have a section or a whole different article talking about the similarities between business and relationships because i kind of alluded to it already but that that deserves its whole its whole other <laughs> video or article about it, right? So, again, be sure to sign up for that if you want more. If you like this information and want to hear more about it, you can do that down below. Because hey, you know, I want to. I want you to be a more capable and insightful person. <laughs> that's that's really why why I'm doing all of this. So, next little section, I'm going to talk about production because I I already kind of alluded to it previously, but. I have so many ideas in my head, right? And <laughs> the newsletter thing has really opened me up to basically put it all down. And how do I say this uh, in the proper way? I feel like writing is the best way for me to express my thoughts. And maybe this goes for everybody else. You know, you listening to the other well, like maybe writing is just the best way to get your thoughts clear. But it really forces me to refine and categorize what I know instead of just, you know, throwing it out in one big word salad, kind of like I'm doing with the podcast sometimes. But even with the podcast, I try to outline it a bit, but I, you know, even now I have side tangents. And in real time, I can, well, sure, I can edit them out, but it's kind of, not useless, but it's wasted effort, right? In if I'm writing something, I can, if I go too much on a different topic, I can cut that out put that in a different file or a different topic, paste that in, and then later I can elaborate. So it's, it's its own topic. The benefit in that is that, well, first, the, the thing that you're reading becomes a lot more concise and a lot less long, because I know that people don't want to necessarily read for 40 minutes on an article. So you rather have like four parts of that, that they're all 10 minutes, because it's just like in a, if you have text, right? And I think Alemido talks about this in a certain video I watched like 10 years ago. <laughs> I know, crazy. I have crazy memory, but I have SID. I mean, how does that work? But basically, he talks about how, say you have a book, right? And it's not split up in chapters. It's just words <laughs> pasted together after each other. You're going to get very tired after a while, right? In a sense that, just, just same with audio. If you don't have pauses between chapters, it feels, and it goes like really, really quickly, you're going to feel very fatigued after a while. Like your brain likes to have milestones, you know, finishing points, so to speak. And was it going with this? Oh god, I lost my train of thought. But basically, yeah, also in writing, splitting it up, your brain, you basically said that if you write an article, for example, you want to have maybe four lines per, what is it, 
paragraph, you want to have four lines, and then you want to next move on to the next one. Then maybe after four paragraphs, you know, X amount of sentences should go to a different topic. And then, well, you elaborate on that, so you can create and split it in parts. But that's a lot more digestible. You basically want to have something between five to ten minutes in terms of reading duration, right? Anything more, you're going to have, you need a very committed reader or a very, very interesting topic. Because most people that look at that, it's like, oh God, I have to sit down for 40, 30, 40 minutes to read this. I don't know if I want to do that. And I can relate to this because I, when I was researching the Feminine Society and its consequences video, I was going into a lot of topics. But I have found this one website, for example, from this one, I think she's an ITJ lady, and she she writes on a bunch of conspiratorial topics, which I want to get into as well in the newsletter in the future, talking about conspiracies and leaked banned information that you can't get anywhere and just share with you guys, because, or you guys, with you, because then... You know, I, I think that those are things are so interesting and, and nobody really shares them. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so interesting. People need to know this, right? People need to have these divine insights. So, I mean, that's why I called it Weekly Insights, right? And, but basically, she would have these long posts. She had this long post about the, what is it? Transgender industrial complex, let's call it that. And it was four parts, but every article was like 30 minutes to read. So in total, it was two hours to read the whole thing. And... It, good that it was split up in four parts because I don't. I think that most people don't want to sit down and read an article for two hours. Like they have stuff to do, they get sidetracked. It's basically almost like reading a book, right? So I was talking to somebody about this, about how you should really limit it to five to ten minutes. And there, there are more guidelines, but I'll keep it short for now. But basically, they want to keep it to five to ten minutes so it's digestible and people can just, you know, they can listen, read it, whatever. They can get some type of benefit or insight from it, maybe three key points, which I actually talk about in the book, how's it called? Get paid for what you know, where they talk about, you basically have a intro, you have three key points, and basically sub, and they maybe have subcategories in that or subtopics in that, and you have a conclusion. And no more, because otherwise people start to get basically fatigued on your topic, right? And I try to maintain the same thing as well. I mean, with the podcast, it's a little weird, but you know what I mean, right? Like, you basically want to split it up into a couple topics instead of being like, oh, now I'm going to talk, because I did it in the past more, right? Now I'm going to talk about this. Now I'm going to talk about that. And, and like, people's, again, that whole decision-making thing we talked about earlier, it's going to get fatigued, right? It's like, oh, now, we're, now I have to focus on this. Now I have to focus on this. People rather want to listen to, okay, 15 minutes of this, 15 minutes of this, or 10 minutes of this, five minutes of this, or here's a, and ra even rather, again, maybe in the future, I'm just going to split up this episode in different videos. Now, if I just give 15 minutes, if I literally take the business part of this video and then split it in 15 minutes and then say uh, the ground principles for starting a business, that will probably get like a lot more attention and a lot more retention because that's well, first of all, the title is more interesting. And second, it's also not very long. And third, it's nice and structured and I don't have to put it. Well, I, and benefit for me, I don't have to put any extra effort. Uh, well, except for editing. But you know what I mean, right? Like people want to have that information split up. And to make it easy and digestible, for example, with Tim Ferriss, you know, he does the same thing. He just compiles five things he found that week, podcast, books, whatever, compiles it. And it's like a five minutes, maybe 10 minute read, seven minute read, something like that. And he just does that every week and people love it. So I want to kind of do the same thing, not like copy it, of course, but kind of have the same framework and not have too long. Are of articles and all that focus mostly on how to's because I you know I want to 
make people practical and give them guides how to do things. But also, you know, the, the occasional essay, as I say in my description. But yeah, those are things I've noticed about writing. And I know that for some people, like videos are not their cup of tea or it's not as easy to digest. So I thought, hey, it's a good alternative to have. And let me see, what, are that, what else, what kind of bullet points did I have? Bear with me. <laughs> Yeah, also another thing, and this is going in line with what I said earlier, is that I speak a lot in parenthesis, right? And, or in side notes or in footnotes. And if I'm doing that live or in a conversation, that can get very disjointed and very distracting, right? Like if I say, okay, we're talking about this, and I probably have done it already a couple times in this episode. I'm trying to reduce it, okay? I'm trying to reduce it. But basically, if you have things in parentheses or in footnotes, stuff like that, you can easily put that in a in an article or in a you know a writing piece, and you can just put that beneath the, beneath your uh, paragraph or beneath your chapter or subcategory, whatever. You can, or you can literally take it out and put it somewhere else. Or if you have a link, you can just literally speak, make the link speak for itself. Like if I say, oh, you can use Zlib. For example, I have an article, there's, there's a part where I say, you can use Zlib as long as you don't use it, you know, you don't repost that you use it on TikTok. And then I can just link to an article talking about that topic, and I don't have to explain for free paragraphs what I mean by that. So that makes sense. I can't really do that in a video or can't do that in an audio format. So it's, it's a very, even though it's like so ancient writing, because of the internet, it's a lot more versatile, right, I find. Or... Like having links and having, because I can add audio, I can add links, I can add videos all in one thing. And I can basically have a very condensed piece of information for somebody without, what's the word? Without having constantly go on side notes. Does that make sense? Like right now I have to go constantly, again, this is a side note. <laughs> I have to constantly go into a different explanation what i mean by something and then the, the time basically adds up right and especially considering my brain because my brain is like so interconnected i'm not trying to be like uh i'm like i have like uh, asperger's brain and i like I've, i'm so i'm so hyper intelligent and i can't talk normally it's more like i have so many interrelating ideas that i all want to touch upon because i think they're all so interesting because i it's not like to me to me it's not like oh these are the things i learned about business and what to free right it's like i've learned these things but i also connected these things and they also you know and th that relates to psychology and, and and then the whole thing becomes this massive idea so it, it really helps and i encourage you as well if you're listening to this that's splitting up things in writing it can just clear out so many things and it really can just it's almost a form of meditation right if you do it for a long period you literally characterize whatever you're thinking and you almost create like a refined script for yourself so sure always keep expanding and, and learning I, i'm a big proponent of you know what is it? Progress. You always got to have progress. You always got to have chaos it's in some sense. But having a foundation in your brain that you can fall back on, almost like a script, you could just say, it's just like habit building, which, you know, James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits. Like, most people are not successful because they just have they make constant system one like i said earlier right system one rational decisions it's actually because they have a lot of system two well systems in place or habits in place that allow them to just do that automatically like for me for example i don't have to think about exercise i know for some people it's very hard to exercise right for me i i just do it every day and i've been doing it since pfft, i don't know 
I think I started when I was 11. Like when I was very young, I started exercising, mostly because of insecurities and um, being bullied. But among other things, right? I started exercising when I was 11, and I haven't stopped since. So it's it's just built into me right now. I don't have to think like, oh God, I have to go to the gym and I have to exercise. Like no, <laughs> I don't have to think about it. I'm like, well, sure, I can think about the downsides. Like oh, if I don't exercise i'll lose muscle and blah 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 but like i don't even have to think about the rationalization because i'm like well i'm like my body is almost like you know subconsciously dragging me to it before i even you know i get a system too it's just like instinctively you're doing it just like when you wake up like a lot of people have this when they wake up they grab their phone and they scroll on you know whatever social media platform for hours that's that's a system two thing almost right it's become a habit for you to keep doing this activity and keep uh what is it Basically, the point is that if you first, it's very conscious, right? When you build a habit, you have to basically tell yourself, okay, I'm not going to go on my phone. I'm going to exercise, etc. But after a certain period, it's going to become automatic. And what was my point with this? I lost my train of thought. Jesus Christ. Well, my point, I guess my point is that if you make writing a habit and categorizing that in a ha oh yeah right that's the point so <laughs> i know I'm, I'm i'm so well articulated and so <laughs> organized you can tell but basically i find the more you do that the more well first off your speech is going to sound better because you almost already know what to say so you're not going to be like well uh it's uh you know uh why uh like you know you know you know like right 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 or like 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 you constantly keep saying that no you, you take that out of your vocabulary because you have nicely constructed sentences in your head. You know, that's why people like Jordan Peterson are so liked by people because he just say, says the same message for 30 years. So of course it's gonna sound refined and he's not gonna stutter and he's gonna say it with extra emotion and extra passion because he already knows what to say for every question that has come up. Like he has a, you know, FA, what is it? FAQ in his head just drilled in there for 30 years. So yeah, again, it's it's, it's not because he's just brilliant, you know, in this example, Jordan Peterson is not just brilliant because he has divine insight. It's like, no, he's just, he has just made this a habit, right? He, he wrote Maps of Meaning for 15 years, and then he made it a habit to repeat the same message for 30 years. And then, yeah, of course, it's going to sound interesting and refined when he's like 50. So again because it's a habit right and the same thing if you're just writing something in general i find you have a foundation almost a habitual pattern of thinking which can be dangerous if it becomes stagnant but that's why i say you got to keep you know new knowledge and and what is it knowledge and counter arguments to your belief you got to constantly have that around you to not become stagnant in that but you do have a foundation you can have a habitual way of thinking or a, a habitual foundation just put it simply where you can fall back on and you can operate on right and you're not constantly in chaos like because i for example i have i would have enfb friends and it would just be like oh well this is maybe this may be true this may be true this may be true it's like and then there was this great um clip i saw where they were like okay don't become so open-minded your brain falls out so that's kind of because that's how it sometimes feels with enfps right they're so open-minded their brains falls out because they have basically have no fundamental structure of belief okay not every single not every single enfps but you know enfps that are less less mature for example those they're gonna be like oh I, I think all sites can have an opinion but you know under the service they actually do have an opinion they just don't share with you which is so such a sneaky philosopher move right they uh, love doing that especially um nfps you know infps they just don't talk about it and goes to you and enfps they kind of passive aggressively se demon 
you know, hint to it, but don't really go full throttle with it. Anyway, if you have that foundation, you have such an advantage. And so to kind of, well, Jordan Peterson talked about this, right? Where it's like, well, if you can articulate your arguments properly and you can write and you can speak and you can think. Those you're unstoppable, man. You can you can fight any or fight. <laughs> you can you can beat anyone. Like people that have know what they think and have create a proper argument. That you can't defeat them. It's it's impossible. They're, they're, they're formidable foes to find in your life. Like something like that, right? It was I'm paraphrasing, of course, but the idea is that if you can phrase your arguments and even even if you're wrong, right? Maybe maybe you. Have, again, if maybe you're taught, maybe you think have a certain belief like I have on, on objectivism. Let's let's put it as an example. Then, if you have a very clear argument on it, and maybe you find someone with a good counter argument, but you can have a very interesting conversation if you can articulate your idea as well, and the other person as well, and then you can have a nice little you know clash, and maybe you can get a synthesis. So basically, you know, it's a very Hegelian idea where you say you have a thesis antithesis and you get synthesis right so you basically try to get to a common ground there not like compromising i don't like that like if somebody's incorrect or incorrect but it's rather that's what i meant mean with try to keep allow a little bit of chaos in there so you can still refine that or you can expand that and sure maybe your whole foundation is wrong you got to be open to that right but that's that's why you what I keep what you got to keep in mind and that's why I recommend you start writing and why I personally like writing so much and especially the modern form of writing because you can now have a narration over it right so if somebody doesn't doesn't actually want to read it they can just you know they can just listen to it and they can you can also add images you can also add videos you can and it's it's so refined and it's just the most condensed version of the information you can get I find I don't want to be all like oh books are so amazing it's like no I think I don't I want to say articles, but specific, hmm, maybe. I, I'm conflicted between articles, books, and courses, and maybe I think mentorships will win out, right? Because that's like, okay, what do you need right now specifically, right? So I think writing is super helpful, and I think everybody should try it, and you should try it. You should just, you know, even 15 minutes of it, 15 minutes of writing every day, right? Having that in your just as a as a uh, become a routine like first it's going to be hard probably but just literally write down anything i know that's maybe sounds stupid but i that's what i've been doing as well just literally write down anything like and then along the way your basically your creative system will take over because you have like a creative system or creation system you have an editing system in your brain and totally they're to two totally different systems right and when you try to do them both at the same time which is almost like system one and system two if you try to, for example, write and edit at the same time, that's not going to work. You're basically fighting. It's going to be very draining for you. But if you just literally keyboard smack what you're thinking right now, it's and then later you can edit. You can be like, okay, this is kind of useless. This doesn't really talk about anything. Then and maybe you have like two sentences at the end of it. But that's two sentences of refined information or refined thought you have after that, right? So yes, I think. Well, I know. Big surprise. Writing is very helpful, but there's a difference between knowing that and actually doing that because. I'm, well, I'm doing it more and more, and I, I'm uncovering things about myself and, and seeing my kind of how my brain is mapped out and the information in it and how it all interconnects. And maybe maybe I can create like a mind map with every article and, and subject I thought about, and then I could actually relate it all back into a central theme or a central topic. But again, you can get a, almost a visual on your or system, systematized version of looking at 
you know, how your brain works, how you, how your brain is structured, right? And I think that's immensely cool. I don't know if you just listened to that and think that's immensely cool as well. Let me know, I guess. But I, I think that's, I think that doesn't get talked about, at least for what I've read and seen, that doesn't really get talked about how you can almost like visually map out how your brain works, right? And well, that, that system is just amazing. And it doesn't have, like, because writing could sound very boring. Like, oh, I just, oh, so I have to, like, think of something that's interesting. It's like, no, you can literally just write about anything. You can just talk about, oh, today I, I don't know, I ate some steak and I had some eggs or something like that. Just literally writing it down. And if, if you're an SI user, that, be, that can be, be fun just to express what, like, what you're experiencing, right? Because you want to share, well, I suppose, yeah, like, you care about your experiences, right? And as an SE user, it's more like, I don't know how to put it. Like maybe as a memory totem, like, okay, I fought this at this time because I, I, I sometimes have, and maybe you're an SCU user listening to this. I sometimes have like, damn, what was, what was I thinking two years ago, right? How, and, and it also helps with what we talked about earlier about it can improve your happiness in that you can look back at what, what you were in the past and kind of the rule from Jordan Peterson, like uh, compare yourself who you was in the past and that's who you will become, something like that, right? And... Yeah, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who you will become tomorrow, something like that. But basically, that really helps. And really, I, li I hate to use the word humble because, you know, Ayn Rand and objectivism, humble, humility is not actually a virtue. But it's it's more like it makes you grateful. Let's put it that way, right? Where, because Ayn Rand was for gratefulness in that you can look back on yourself two years and see specifically what you were thinking about, specifically what you were doing. And you can compare it to where you are now. You're like, oh, damn, I'm actually like comparatively in, in 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 the grand scheme of things i am like exponentially growing and it's because you you can look at it through day to day you know with me like i can look at my subscriber count and be like oh i'm getting x amount of viewers and, and all that stuff but if you look at on the grand scheme like in the last three years i mean i have four thousand people like subscribe to me that's amazing you know to, to, to even if you told me that three years ago like hey croissant you're gonna have like four thousand subscribers you know going to ten thousand etc it's like, well, how? <laughs> I don't know how I would react to that. Like, if, if that was certain, right? If you tell me with certainty you're going to have that, I'm like, okay. Like, how do, how do you respond to that? Same with if you're writing something. You know, I encourage you to just write and maybe start a blog as well or start an article as well, a newsletter as well, start a YouTube channel, whatever, so you can just express anything you do. Because especially when you don't care about the, the end point, like you're not doing it for views, you're not doing it for money, you're not doing it for any financial gains. Maybe you just have a, a uh, what is it? full-time job you do this like an extra two hours because you think it's fun one your productivity will improve which ali abdal talks about basically the fun factor right the fun factor multiplies all your output because say you're writing and i really enjoy writing right now like again i have, i think i have about 32 articles right now that i've i've started just writing the outline or already wrote most of it and that's in one week i've already had like 31 ideas right and i don't say you have to have the 31 ideas right away but it's rather that if you just say if you think it's really fun and you can say to a video so you don't care about editing you just put on a camera and you just talk about things you enjoy doing there is there are going to be people that will watch you and you'll over time if you make like 150 videos you'll find that some people will just enjoy anything you talk about i know it's maybe it's a weird idea but it's it's really true again because there are what is it 3.6 billion people on the internet not on the world on the internet and th there's bound to be some people that will like a billion people i mean you, you can't even imagine that but a billion like 3.6 billion people that watch you or don't, don't watch you but 
you could potentially talk to, right? That's, I mean, you can't quantitate it in the sense that even if, if you talk to a thousand people, that's hard to imagine, like a thousand people in front of you and you're speaking to them, like you'll, you'll probably shit your pants, right? But <laughs> it's true that you can have that. And well, it's weird because right now, I mean, I mean I'm talking to you personally, I want to make it personalized, I want to make it one-on-one, but maybe, you know, 400 people will listen to this, 100 people will listen to this. That's weird to think about, right? If, if it's real life. So anyway, go produce, I guess my point is go produce things, go create things. I think it will do you, even if it, again, and don't have the end in mind where you're like, okay, I want to have, well, of course you can have goals, but don't have to end in mind like, well, if I, if my, you know, if my newsletter doesn't get at least 20,000 people in, in the first two weeks, I'm going to quit and newsletters are stupid and I should never do them. And if I make videos on YouTube and I make two and then they don't get any views, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw away Molotov at, at YouTube headquarters. Like, no, don't think that. Just be like, okay, listen, I, I enjoy this. I just want to share this. And, you know, there's there's only infinite upside with it, right? In a way, it's like, you you like doing this. It's bas it's practically free. And, well, the best things in life are free, right? Are free, right? But, or, and, and with that, you have infinite leverage up, upward. So if nobody watches your stuff, it's like, well, whatever. I did it for the fun anyway. And if a thousand people watch you, it's like, oh, some people like me. And, if it, and a million people watch you, it's like, oh, okay, I can now quit my main job if I or my full-time job if I don't like it and I can keep doing this. So there's only upside to it, right? You just say, well, you have to maybe, you have to record a video and learn how to edit maybe. That's it, right? It's that you can learn in an afternoon. So I, I really encourage anyone, and well, you listening to this, Try to produce things, make things, right? Start a start a blog, start a start a YouTube channel, whatever. I think it's it's almost like I want to say mandatory, but in this day and age, not having some type of an audience or I would say I don't like the word audience necessarily. Yeah, like the word like if you don't have a community or a nice tight, tightly knit relationships online, and I know online relationships are not you know they're they're parasocial or whatever, but it's rather having i think virtual and real life good quality relationships is very important and i think every anyone can anyone can cultivate it right and that's that's the upside of it it's not like oh i have to pay money to youtube to <laughs> gain a uh, sense of a community or, or people that enjoy me no you don't you, you don't even need that so i think there's only upside it's all for free and you know i believe in and i, I said this in my article as well that's going to be posted tomorrow I believe in free and infinite leverage. Maybe that maybe that will be one of my main things. But things that are free and create infinite leverage for you. That those are the most amazing, most amazing things in life, right? So, and especially with the internet, there's basically, I would say, infinite. But there's a myriad of things that are free and and infinite. But you know, not to go too long into why uh, I think the internet is great, and <laughs> also the the opposite why I hate the internet. There's two sides to the argument, right? They're good things. Everything have has good sides and bad sides, of course. Uh, let me see. Yeah. So final thing or final sub thing about production I want to talk about is that I kind of wish there was more the case with YouTube in a sense that or with other platforms, right? Like with writing something, it's so easy to me. Like I, I just literally smack down on my keyboard, and apparently I could type pretty quickly. So I just smack down on my keyboard. I spent a couple hours, and boom, I've I've produced something of value for people, right? With a video, it takes I think on average like twelve hours to make a video. So, well, you can imagine, right? The even 
trying to keep that thing in mind about not having the end in mind, being like, oh, I want X amount of views. But it can be very disappointing if you spent, well, 12 hours on average, but maybe 20 hours, 30 hours on a video, and you really, you really hope that people will like it, and you really hope that it gets seen. And then maybe like 1% of the people that quote-unquote follow you to actually watch it so again that's also kind of the reason why things like in you know an email list or kind of an opt-in thing is so important because those people sure there's a certain what is it open rate of course not everybody's going to check every single email you sent to them but there's a there's at least a certainty they will get it in their inbox right does that make sense like with youtube they, they can do some freaky shit right they can just say like okay we, we're just not going to show you any videos from Mr. You know JSC anymore because we think he's X Y Z, or we're not going to show anything from Alex Ramosi because I don't know, you know, insert reason. But with emails, you can always do that, and well, I think there's so, such an advantage to that, and that's why I want to, I, I want to make sure, you know, that in terms of my newsletter, that's why I also like it. It's because I have a, a permanent audience with that, right? Unquote, I own those people. I don't, and of course, I don't mean it in a possessive way. More like. It's, it's a reassurance, right, for for, for both parties, because it's like, oh, I want to speak more of croissants. Because uh, if, my say, my channel gets taken down, like, all those people can't talk to me, right? Unless I start a new account, etc. But all those people that found me, th they have to basically do, do some investigation to find me again, which they're probably not going to do. Um, so it creates a reassurance in both parties, right? Win-win. I know, uh, croissant being win-win for once. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, th I think it's a very easy way to just cultivate whatever is in my brain and put it down on paper. And again, I, I, going back to the previous sub point is I really encourage you to do it as well. There's, yeah, because I, I sometimes have this thing where I'm like, ah, oh, I have to, you know, with, with croissant hours or something. Like, I like doing them. I'm not, don't get me wrong. I really like doing it. I love when people respond to it, listen to it. And if you still listen to it, great. So... But I do have that thing like, oh, am I actually going to say anything interesting today? Uh, am I actually going to get anything out? You know, kind of the same with, with like almost like a writer's block. But then, you know, I've had more with videos and podcasts because I have to basically perform in a live setting. And because I have to basically feel, quote unquote, feel, I have to talk about interesting things for about an hour or more. And then there's that thing in my mind like, oh, God, if I don't talk about interesting things, people will tune out, etc. Right. With writing, I don't have that. I'm just like, I'm, I'm just going to type about things. I can refine it. I can edit it. But, you know, no, no effort is waste. wasted in the end. Because any anytime I make an edit, it's going to improve. And any, anything that doesn't fit in its topic, I can use later. But if you're, if you're producing a video, right, you write a script and you, you record the thing, you edit the thing, it's like hours and hours and hours, and then nobody nobody cares. It's like, oh, <laughs> right? It, it's very disheartening. Like, I don't, again, and then this relating it to myself and i don't want to talk about myself too much here but relating it to myself like if, if i spend so much hours and so much time on that and you know i don't need millions and millions of views like i, I really don't need that but at least having a couple thousand people that say like hey or, or even you know a little audio or a little audience a couple people that say like hey maybe you can improve this maybe i like this i love etc that, that's so encouraging right and not only not only for me i think anyone can get encouraged by that where people say like i'm really enjoying this 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 key point you should improve on that etc like i i thrive on feedback and uh, if you're a fellow intj you thrive on feedback as well right so having that is i think i, I think the main point with that is, is that not only for me but for others as well i think if you have some semblance of a reoccurring community then it's a lot 
easier to, you know, nurture that, improve that, grow that, instead of being like, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm talking to two people and they never comment on anything. I'm not saying you are like that, not at all, but say that's your situation then it becomes very hard to know, okay, what can I improve, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you can have analytics, but then you're going to go, again, if you want to know that, actually, and, and you're pretty small, you have to go in your analytics. And for your analytics, you have to also look at views, and that makes you more metrics-oriented. And I don't, I don't like that, right? I, and that's why I prefer something like my newsletter or a, um, well, just having an email list, because... You know, these people voluntarily said to me, hey, I just want to see more from you and I'm really interested in what you do. And I don't care, you know, I don't necessarily care about what it's about. And they, you can have a communication with those people and it's a lot less number-based because it's like, okay, these are the potential people that can listen to this message. And yes, yeah, sure, you have like comments and likes and maybe like that, but you're you're not worried about does this actually get to people? Does that make sense? With With... Again, with social media platforms, it can really feel like that, where it's like, oh, I have to look at my views, I have to look at my subscribers, I have to look at these metrics to improve. Because, you know, I'm, I'm so focused on improving, and, well, the best way for me to improve is to have specific data points to measure, right? Because every almost every book on social media says, like, oh, you have to measure what your metrics. But, again, it can become very obsessive, and it can become, at least I noticed that with myself, it can become, become very obsessive, and then you, it becomes less fun. And if it becomes less fun, people will notice it, etc. So... It's almost, well, I'm trying to advocate basically, or advocate, I'm trying to say here that I'll probably, I'll probably enjoy writing blogs more. Maybe that's going to change in the future, maybe because it's such a novelty now. But for now, I really like writing, and I hope you'll enjoy it as well in the newsletter and in the blogs that I write. I really enjoy you. Well, I hope you enjoy that. And we'll see what happens, I guess. It's, uh, it's kind of an experiment, and I'll still keep uploading videos. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm, I'm going to go full fraud on production. Because that was kind of the central point here. It's like I'm trying to just produce as much as I can, valuable things as you can, as I can for you, right? And well, that's the blog is one of those things. So I should I'm, I'm not complaining. I shouldn't complain. And what matter? Yeah. So what what matters is that I should find something that is fun for both you and I, and I will try and my darn hardest hardest to find that thing and if you already support anything i do regardless of what i create thank you it really means the world to me and for people like you i will try even harder to create the best possible value imaginable right and yeah i would say those are the new ventures those are the new ventures and insights and production i've been working on i really hope you enjoyed this episode of croissant hours if insights and essays or topics like this sound interesting to you again you can check out the newsletter where i have more information like this but even more refined and curated especially for you and so again i'll put the description uh, put a link in the description and the comments below up in the in the comments below i'm excited for it and i'll be glad to see you there anyway that's all for me i want to thank everybody for tuning in and i'll see everybody in the next one. Bye bye. Fuck bitches, get money.